0: Hello and welcome to another episode of PC Speaking. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I will be your guide as we travel the globe looking for what's old and gold as well as what's new and true. We explore the realms of spirituality, well-being, and whatever else happens to catch our fancy along the way. I'm the pastor of a Christian church in possession of a set of well-studied and thought-out beliefs, but I want to hear what's on your heart and mind, even when it's different to what's on mine. So sit back. Ride. Welcome David. Uh really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um hey, how do I pronounce your last name? Ayers. Ayers. Okay. That's that's what I thought. See, what I do is when I when I say something uh improperly, I just blame it on my accent and then I get away with oh, it. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's a cool it's a cool <laughs> accent. Uh, can I just while we're at it and we're having a conversation, um, what part of uh the united states would that accent come from
0: well it's i think i picked up some pieces here there and everywhere but i grew up in the northwestern u.s in idaho um lived in california for a while lived in texas for a while kentucky florida bounced around quite a bit but um my formative years were in the northwest
1: okay okay
0: yeah. yeah, each
1: state of the year, United States has its own characteristics, and even accents and history and everything fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's very, very diverse for sure. Um, so, so, should I call you doctor?
1: Well, um, you know, th- no, <laughs> you can, <laughs> don't have to. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, as uh, is as is, um, is a funny spelling, and um, that's just because my ancestors couldn't spell. They just probably farmhands <laughs> farm in in England, and they spelled it all different ways back back to 1672 in this small village in um south southwest England. Yeah, oh, okay. they come from, and they, they they had all different spellings of hairs there. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's just a messed up way of spelling ears.
0: My um. My um, ancestry goes back to Germany and my grandmother's maiden name is Sinning, which is kind of, oh, right. kind, of okay. kind of funny. I think they pronounce it with like a, a Z sound like Zinning, but um, yep, yep. still, it's, it's yep. kind of comical when they have a family yep, yep, reunion. Yep. Z- Zinning the, sounds better. <laughs> the Sinning reunion. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. so we met through um, the Gideons, actually. Yep. And how long have you been involved with the Gideon's?
1: about five and a half years, getting on to six years. And um, I, um, yeah, um, somebody from the Gideons came uh, to my church and uh, spoke about it. And I thought um, that I would, uh, if I joined, I would take it seriously. I would be committed to uh, doing it. I wouldn't. uh, So I thought about it for not very long. And I said, yep, well, you know, I think that's a very worthwhile ministry to be involved with. Um, initially, um, it was about uh, placing Bibles in hotel rooms. And, and um, I thought, yeah, I can do that because I thought, I just can't sit here in church any longer. I need to be actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a video that was shown in the church, uh, in, you know, when this uh, the, the gentleman came, um, Phil, came to uh, speak at the church. And it was, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, Ameri- uh, the, the video promotions, we've got Australian ones, but there's certainly ones that come from the United States. And this was, uh, you know, a man who's telling his testimony from the United States. And um, in the testimony, um, he's recounting being in a hotel room, um, got somewhat of an American accent, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, he's down on his luck. Um, his wife had left him. Um, I think he's financially ruined. um, Had a drug habit. Um, He was thinking about jumping out the window. Mm. Uh, You know, he's really in a very desperate state. And he said um, in this uh, video, as he recounts it, he's recounting it, but he's also getting emotional, and you know, he's thinking about being back in that scene. So he's just getting really emotional. Um, And it's really impacted me that video because he says it was like a force was drawing me to open the bedside drawer and in that bedside drawer there was a bible that changed my life Hmm. you know so obviously it changed his life He was you know suicidal but it also changed his eternal life and his internal destiny and i was sitting there and i don't know for me that that video just impacted me and i thought you know that that's worth doing
0: yeah, for that's, sure.
1: That's something worth doing. I can't just sit here in church and not like you know. So I joined up. And so that was the beginning of it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I I don't know. Um, some people may not realize, but every—I mean, I—I've stayed in a lot of hotels traveling around and things like that, and you always open the drawer and you always find the Bible in there, and uh, that comes from you guys. And and every one of those has been placed in there by hand, um, which is just yep. an awesome ministry. And you guys, how do you do? You have an idea how many of uh, scriptures Bibles you guys place every year? Um, around the world, it's about
1: eighty million. Wow. That's so I believe, people say, I believe that we're probably the biggest distributors of scripture around the world, full stop.
0: Yeah, I would, I would uh, About so In so. about
1: 200, 200 or so countries. Yeah. So the, the cool thing I think about the Gideons as an organisation, uh, you, you know, volunteers, that there are men and women in their own countries, in their own communities serving mm-hmm. Um and um so you know we you know if you're if you're part of this voluntary ministry, you have got brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. Um and 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 the self-focus of the Gideons is winning people for Christ. Now we we Holy Spirit does the work, but we are there to be witnesses and to do the work um as Christ has commanded us to do. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go to another country, if you're uh, uh, lucky enough to to do that, um, say, on a, on, a, on, a, on a joint international uh, scripture distribution, which I've done in Tanzania, um, or we go to an, um, an international meeting or convention, you have people from, come from all around the world, from 200 countries, for instance, the international convention, or if you go to, uh, you know, like I did to Tanzania, I was working with local, um, local people in the Gideons in Tanzania. And you've just got this bond, like they've got, you know, diverse backgrounds, um, cultures, languages, but it's like you are meeting friends you've never met before because you're all focused on, on the, on, on um, winning people for Christ, the great commission. And it's, I, 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 you know, I found it very rewarding.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's, that's great. And, and now you're, also, okay. and also, also, the
1: thing I like to go is when I've been to the United States. I love how the Americans um, have a have a joke at each other's expense. That's quite funny, actually. Like yeah. uh, guys, guys from guys from Wisconsin or whatever, will will, uh, will um, joke about the guy from North Dakota and his accent and things like that. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that's that, that's an aside. It's quite funny.
0: Yeah, anyway, yeah, sorry, Chris, yes. similar all <laughs> over the place. When I when I was in Texas, people they like to pick on people from Arkansas or Louisiana and vice versa. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, under, yeah. Understand that well <laughs> for sure. Now you're a psychiatrist, right? That's right. And um, I, I, one thing I'm curious about personally is: do you know many other Christian psychiatrists? Some.
1: Some okay. I, I wouldn't say I know a lot. Um, some. I, I'm um, uh, trained in adult psychiatry, like everybody, but I've also done additional um, subspecialty training in ch- child and adolescent psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I what I find is, for whatever reason, child and adolescent psychiatrists seem seem to be a bit more likely to be spiritual. Um, so there's a slightly greater concentration probably of uh, Christians in child and adolescent psychiatry, but um, certainly um, I suppose it's a reflection of society, um, you know, as a professional group, um, there are some Christians and there are a lot of people who are obviously secular, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I don't practice their profession and, um, and, uh, you know, largely work, work in very ethical ways and want the best for their patients.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The correlation with the uh, young people and spirituality. Maybe you need that more when you're working with young people. Lord help me.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. I think it's a, you know it's something about um, in adolescent psychiatry about being focused on on families.
0: Mm, okay. So,
1: uh, you're more. It's more. You know. There's more of a, an under. Shall I say an understanding and a focus on the role of of. Um, People and relationships and families and systems like schools and you know where 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 the child goes to a school. There's a whole social system there. So mm. I don't think I think people are who um, um, go into additional training or um, interests in child and adolescent psychiatry. I think there's something about also being interested in relationships and and and. The social side of things and 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 um, families, um, rather than ha- perhaps having a, a little bit more of a tendency to to see um, the person who's uh, seeking help from you being this just um, individual who exists and in, in as an individual. Which again, maybe because I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, I'm self self selective here, but I don't think we would exist as individuals alone, and I don't mm. think God does either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, Certainly that's, not,
1: uh, not, not, not the holy, trinitarian God doesn't exist. It doesn't believe we exist just as individuals.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's um, we're all, I guess, shaped by our environment and yeah, affected by it. And there's like you just talk about systems. That's so true because we all live in a system of some kind, don't we? That's an yep. interesting thought. Um, well, let's it,
1: see, it, it has an impact on when you're looking about health and well-being. Mm. um people uh as you know you would well know i would have thought chris um people who uh, live on their own uh on their own and um you know we're not part of um of a community um don't have family support um maybe unfortunately they may be uh, widowers or widows um where people are socially isolated the it's just a well-known statistic that they're more vulnerable to anxiety and depression, and um, um, to distress, um, where where they're isolated and not connected in, and that's just a, a statistic that we is well-known statistic. Mm. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that's a that's a great spot to put a commercial for church.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I was a, going to I was a- going to go on to that, but I thought I'd let you have <laughs> so, you you'd say something. But there you go.
0: <laughs> Let me do it. Yeah. There's a, there's always that community and there's usually one not too far away, um, from people. Um, you were, you know, we've come out of a, such a crazy year. 2020 was just wild. And I don't know, some of 2021 not looking that much better, but, yeah. and there was the worldwide pandemic. And have you, um, maybe in your work or just in general, have you seen that have an effect on people's being? Um, what, have you Absolutely. seen the results from that yeah
1: Absolutely And um you know part of this you when know, I see um, many many uh, adults as patients but again as I was saying before I see a lot of children and teenagers because that's my particular um subspecialty if you got it. And um so I've got um a slant on um, things that are um, influenced by the patients that I see and and where I'm coming from. So the interesting thing about the pandemic and uh, people being locked down and all the restrictions and all the anxiety about um, you know death and disease and uh, people worried about their finances and and businesses and things like going through that.
0: Mm.
1: It's it certainly. Did um, increase um, business for psychiatrists. Put it that way. Oh, um, there are a lot of distressed people, um, and we had um, through our reception. I remember it being in the height of it. We had a hundred missed phone calls in twenty four hours for people. Oh my goodness! Needing help, and we just two phones, and just couldn't, not able to answer everybody um and so it has been remarkable especially p- perhaps during the when when things were more impactful here in Queensland than they are right now mm-hmm. it, it was remarkable how much distress and uh, there has been in the community um the the, the there were some interesting interesting trends um one of them one of them was attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, okay. Now, it's a difficult area, and I, I suppose that's why hopefully you have people who are well-trained who are able to be very balanced about um, but that whole area and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, take a balanced view because um, you don't want to go to extremes in any way with some of these um, clinical clinical issues. In, certainly, including the idea of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I know people mm-hmm. have strong views about it and treatment or not treatment or whether it exists mm-hmm. or doesn't exist, and so on and so forth. Sure, but what what um, a trend that a really interesting trend that I found was that. I, we had I had a lot of people seeking help for um, what they believed might be attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that had persisted into adulthood, mm-hmm. and and um, and I think I think um, a lot of the time that was valid. So if you so you can sort of imagine um, the typical sort of um, situation I was coming up against were adults who sort of were larger than life. They uh, they 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 might be travelling uh, salespeople um, involved in sales, or they would be moving about normally in their life, uh, going to multiple sites. Great salespeople, large in life people um, have a good chat, establish relationships. But they were moving. Uh, you know, every day was variable. We go around and customers. That was good, as they're long in and they're out in the community. And and I can remember people saying. Look, I sort of thought I probably did had a ADHD, but you know, it never really bothered me. You know, I got out there and you know, got out and enjoyed myself, like being with people. Long as I was out on the road, moving around and doing start sales and doing stuff, and and the, the sort of typical person that was then presenting was me. Was then, but then the pandemic came, and I couldn't go out of the house, and I had to sit at a desk like we're doing now, and mm-hmm. I had to do all my stuff on computer, and I had to sit there for eight eight hours a day, and people were saying. I just can't handle this. I'm just like stuck in my house at a desk because that's what I got to do now. The boss says, Well, I got to do sales online, I got to sit here and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm going, you know, with respect, they would say, oh, I'm going crazy. I just can't handle it. I can't, I just can't focus. I can't just sit here all the time. Because they were out and normally doing their things. And I think some of these people, well, I know, um, without, you know obviously going and talking about anybody's specific patient. I can't do that, of course. because mm-hmm. But I know there's people, some of them were valid. Now, they didn't need treatment when they went in a pandemic. But when they had to sit there and try and focus and keep coming back and staying still and focusing on something rather than be out and moving around, that was really, really. some of them were really suffering. I was surprised how much. So that was one of the trends. Mm. Um one of the other trends, you know, there were a few things, but one of the other trends that was surprising for me in a way but should maybe shouldn't have been surprising was, um, you know, um, uh, par- parents talking about their children. So obviously I treat children and, uh, you know, children with learning problems. And what parents were saying, like when I had to homeschool my child during the pandemic and I had to actually teach them how to read and write or do their maths, I was really surprised and distressed at how much my children were struggling with learning the material. Mm -hmm. So, for some parents, it was really an eye opener for them how much at least some of their children were, you know, had with learning problems, actually had significant learning problems, or they hadn't realized the impact or how significant it was. The corollary to that is that how much they appreciated teachers and they wanted their kids to go back to school. (laughs) So they said, I really, 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 really appreciate teachers because I just couldn't do this because I'm trying to teach my child and it's just like, it's just so hard. It's like, you know, hurting a cat. I just want them to go back to school.
0: Yeah, Um, new appreciation for teachers there, hopefully.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so there are a couple of things.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I know I saw a lot of jokes and things pop up here and there about that parents homeschooling their kids and what a struggle it was you know and in some cases it's not yeah. a joke but uh yeah for sure that no yeah that kind of leads me to another thought you know we're talking about things online like uh um, people having to shift from working in person to being online and then we've got people homeschooling kids and we're moving i don't know like um i don't know we've we have moved into much more of an online presence i know at our church we have we didn't have an a, Um, we had an online presence, but not much of one, but now we have a much larger one and it is an area of personal interest for me or, um, disdain. I don't know what to call it is social media. Um, I, um, I'm wondering what effect that might have on people. I think it's, it's still relatively new in the big scheme of things. And I don't know what's going to happen with it in the future. I wondered maybe if you had any thoughts on social media and how that might um, affect mental health. Yeah.
1: Um. Yes. I have a few thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's the, the typical situation that everybody talks about. And I think there's some validity that in social media, everybody posts uh, all their amazing, amazing um, you know, uh, things that they're doing, you know, they're, you know, I don't know, they're having great food in a the cafe, um, they're sitting around in the pool, they're having the most awesome holiday everywhere, you know, ever that anybody mm-hmm. ever had, at least in the photo or the post. And then, you know, then probably the rest of the day sucks because they, I don't know, whatever, they ran out of money or they couldn't get in the hotel they want or they had a big argument or whatever. But, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the posts are just about having an awesome lifestyle. And as you say, everybody compares them you know, looks at that and says, well, why is my life like my friend's life or that person posting online, you know, when, and obviously that, you know, that's talked about a lot, how um, you know, people can get maybe a skewed view of, I don't know, general life dissatisfaction and, um, you know, and and some sort of status anxiety or self-esteem or self-worth anxiety, because why, why isn't my life like what I see on social media? And, and I think there's some validity that young people are more prone to that. But I also think young people are, they're not not silly. And I think, you know, I've, maybe over the years they've got more understanding that what they see posted isn't necessarily the whole of somebody's life. Um, that they, um, you know, just because they've, look like they're having the best life ever um they they understand that maybe that's they're not posting everything in their life they're just posting those little bits that are that look awesome but yeah that's that's something that people people talk about and i think there's some um some uh, validity to that and uh, some uh perhaps young people are uh could be vulnerable to comparing themselves to what they think their peers lives are like and um and um, you know being distressed about it um, social social media is a double-edged sword isn't it chris i mean it's like a lot of things um there's a lot of downside to it but at least being connected online in some way is something that we, we 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 couldn't imagine going without now i don't think we'll go backwards because there yeah. are so many positives to it like just like you and i now we're talking together mm-hmm. On, yeah. you know connected and, and during the pandemic it is extremely important for people to be able to be connected or be able to talk to grandparents in on the other side of the world or whatever, because you couldn't visit them. So, you know, um, you, you know, you can use it for, for bad or you can use it for good, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Um, it's kind of a kind of amoral, isn't it? That's how we yeah, use it. That yeah, that's right. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, for me, um, know from a from a from a christian world point of view is what what are you posting about mm. um now you don't have to ram the gospel down people's throat but you can post um stuff about your spiritual beliefs you can post uplifting stories about how god has made an impact in your life um, mm. i mean that's that that's one way to be a witness um you don't have to give them a whole sermon but
0: yeah <laughs> i i often no. do but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's kind of <laughs> what i do though
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so so you know there's it can be used for good or it can be used for bad
0: yeah but but I, I try not to beat people up with it i just put it out there and say here it is if you'd like to listen
1: that's right exactly mm-hmm.
0: yeah i'm i'm um i i try to stay off of social media as much as as is reasonable um i've yeah. kind of taken on a personal policy with it where i just use it as a platform to disseminate information yeah um yeah. i try not to scroll it through it too much but at the same time i mean i have family and friends around the world that i wouldn't be connected with without it Sure, right.
1: so, exactly yeah. well um where um where where, where, where where i said something here that i wanted to say about that about um, that um, Ephesians five, isn't it? Uh, five seventeen, something like that. Be you know, be be you know, be mindful of how you use your time. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, y- use it um, wisely. Because the days are sh- you know, the time is short. The days are short. Um, so um, you can stay connected. You can sort of um, yeah, you know, catch up with what family are doing. But yeah there's always a the the potential for just to be mindlessly scrolling through it and yeah um, not thinking about how you're using your time I think
0: yeah hmm. I know personally I mean, obviously um podcasts and sermons and when you put yourself out in the public like that um you're really opening yourself up to a lot of things and I've found that um I can have 100 positive comments, feedback, and then one bad one. And I'm like, ah, just takes the wind out of my sails. Um, of course. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to focus in on that one negative thing. Um, and even though it's, it's, it's not that big a deal, but anyway, that's, that's something. It's easy. And it's easy
1: for young people too, as well, Mm -hmm. you know, who, um, certainly that's the other thing about the pandemic. Um, if you're looking again at mental health, uh, I don't know why I should have been surprised, but I was surprised how much the pandemic and the isolation that went along with it, with the restrictions, really impacted young people. Mm. How how um how much they were suffering from not being able to just catch up face to face with their peers. Mm. Um and again, I don't maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I, I sort of was really, really impact uh, you know, I was really surprised in some ways how much it really impacted upon them you know young people teenagers uh you know parents yeah. want it to all to be about school and education but it's all about their peers for 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 young people and they don't they it's very hard for them to be socially isolated and not see their peers
0: oh yeah i suppose for kids they're they go to school for the friends not not for school exactly
1: yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> education's like just something you have to do to get get to your friends
0: yeah that's tertiary <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So what are some things that the average person could do, somebody like me or somebody that's listening, can do to to maintain our mental health and well-being? Um, just if, whether it be preventative or maybe when we are not feeling right, what are some things we can do to just kind of take, like, you know, I I know that to maintain my physical health, I need to exercise and I need to eat well. And what are some things we can do for mental health? Like that, or are there things like that?
1: Yeah, well, look, um, it's going to be hard for me not to talk from a Christian world point worldview, but mm. so I can sort of point out some of the things that are more Christian worldview and some things that are more, you know, general, general, generally sure.
0: yeah, absolutely um,
1: appropriate, um, um, in no particular order, um, having again. Um, this certainly impacts on the spiritual. But having 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 an honest conversation you about with oneself about what's important in life is it's not a bad thing, is it? Um mm-hmm. so um how how can I put this? Um let, let's take a very specific specific example, public speaking. Mm. A lot of people freak out about public speaking. It's very, super common fear.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and you know, when people say, look, you know, well, I get really anxious. So I can't do this. You know, well, how do I do this? And and there are a whole lot of things with public speaking. You, know, you practice thoroughly, um, which people don't do, and then they just go in and say, why am I anxious? Because they didn't practice thoroughly for their speaking event, and particularly with kids and, you know, going into English class and giving a speech you know, they, they don't practice it, and then they go in and they, they're anxious and they can't find their words. Well, I've got anxiety. Well, if you practice thoroughly, that might help. Um, so there are just some, you know, things like that. And, you know, you can control your breathing and you can, you know, relax and you can um, answer your uh, negative thoughts, um, which is cognitive behaviour therapy, psycholo- psycho- psychological techniques, and, you know, all well and good. But um, if you're looking at your priorities in life, and, you know, what's important in life, um, there are a lot of things that you could uh, absorb your time, but, um, you know, the meaning of life and what life is all about, and why we exist on earth, obviously I've got a Christian worldview, I've got a point of view on that. I just think it makes sense. Uh, now, if uh, you don't know what the meaning of life is and where you're going in life, that's okay, search for it. But just don't bury it and not think about it because it's there anyway. That's... And, uh,
0: so Sorry, interesting what you say there it's cuz something just popped into my head and I, I, what you said i've i've seen that and i think that is almost a trend now to kind of brush that aside or not pay attention yeah. to it and where i've seen that actually is in funerals yeah, fewer people are actually having funerals. Um, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But I've 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 heard it called a drive and dump, which is an awful thing. But whoever's deceased, people yeah. just they pretend it didn't happen. They they yeah. send them to the funeral home, and the yeah. funeral home takes care of it. There's no service or anything like that because there's almost a cultural trend to try to ignore that. That's a reality. That death is a reality. Um, yep. I don't know how big it is, but I have talked to some people in that industry about it, and it's it's I think it's a disturbing thing. Um, But it just goes along with what you were saying about you know clarifying some things, thinking about those things.
1: Yeah, well, if you want to get all psychodynamic or psychoanalytic, the big fella in um, in that uh, big name in that well, you know, you can go to the existential philosophers and things. Um, You know, Christian Kierkegaard. uh, yeah, Kierkegaard, from um, you know, a, from a Christian philosopher point of view, and then there's Jean Paul Sartre, at so, so on and so on, about you know, existentialism and about what the meaning of life is, and is there any meaning in life? Um, but then you get to you know, psychiatric or the the mental health uh, field. Uh, Irwin Yalom, Yalom, a fellow called Yalom was very big. He wrote uh, text called Existential Psychotherapy, and another one about group psycho psychology in the 1960s, I think, and his his um his texts are awesome. They're not like a textbook where you say, you know, do this is what you do when you see the patient. Number one, you do this, number two, number three, boring. He does um his, his book called Existential Psychotherapy. It's a classic. He tells stories of patients of how their un their underlying problems were death anxiety, anxiety about meaning, is there meaning in my life? Is it's meaningless? What's the point of? My life. What's the point of this universe? What's the point of the existence? He tells these fascinating stories about how people would present with issues in their lives, but underneath, um, he would be looking at um, people s- struggling with, or perhaps trying to run away from that 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 thing in their back of their head that is what you know. I could go and go here today. I could just take that job. I could um, you know speak here. I could. Um, I could, you know, uh, marry this woman. I could, um, I could sit in on a, on a beach in somewhere and just chill out. But why would I do anything? I don't know what to do because I don't know what the you know, meaning of life is, and then sort of running away from it. But he had fascinating stories, and the best sort of textbook is one that you don't even know you're learning from because there's stories rather than just you know point one, point two,
0: point three. Mm. Um, That's how Jesus taught, so, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 through stories. Yeah, and it's very frustrating, because when you're trying to teach something, it's much easier if you just say, like, hey, dudes, point one, you know, you sit the patient down, point two, you get them to write down their thoughts, point two, three, you know, or, or you know, whatever it is. But really, people don't learn that way. They learn through stories, don't they? Which means it's more effort. You've got to think of a of a story. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, look, um, getting back to the idea of public speaking, you can do all the, um, you know, um, you know, calming yourself, answering your thoughts well. But what I say to people is is to find the right and proper reason to give the speech, Mm. the right and proper reason. So if you're getting up there and you're doing, well, I'm just going to do this speech because I want people to think I'm awesome and I'll have heaps of friends and everybody will think I'm great. That's putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Now you might <laughs> decide sure I'm going to do it anyway because that's what I want. But it's always possible that you'll goof up or you'll say something embarrassing or the, you know, people won't, you know, get your joke or whatever. And then that like it all comes crashing down. So I think if you're going to get up and give a public speech, you've got to find the right and proper reason. Why? what am I going to do that's going what am I going to say what am I going to present that's going to be for my audience that's going to be for others that's going to be the right and proper and righteous thing for the righteous but you know the thing that will contribute to others and then mm. if I get up there and make a fool of myself and it just goes badly at least I know why I did it you know i know <laughs> I know I know, I, know I, would, I I made a fool of myself because I was trying to do something good for others I was trying to speak to an audience and give them something so I think you know, when you think about anxiety management, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you that's all good and they're good techniques and they're worthwhile. But getting your priorities in life straight in the first place can make a difference to how you manage life and stress and anxiety. And I'm just using public speaking as a little micro example of that.
0: Mm-hmm. I know it's certainly one I can relate to. Um I'm, you know, done obviously spoke in front of people hundreds of times, but um <laughs> it's very true. And and I've run the gamut of everything you mentioned from from flopping to feeling silly to saying jokes people don't get. I still do a fair bit of that. But um it's it in what you say, I've I've found that to be so very true. If I find if I can dig out a single point and say okay this is this is what this is about and this is what i hope people will learn from this and take away from it and i hope it's helpful for them if i can find that point and focus on it um it goes so much better for them and for me um and and you feel better walking away from it Yeah, yeah as well
1: so so we were talking chris um you know that that long discussion i suppose was um you know about trying to respond to you saying, "What can people do with to help with their mental health and their well-being?"
0: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, sure. For Christian worldview, um, I believe this is extremely important. But obviously, prayer, mm-hmm. um, memorising Bible verses, because that's the way God talks to you. If you memorise those verses, they'll come to you at the time when you need them. When you when things are difficult, when you don't know what to do, um, you know. From a Christian worldview, I, you know. I I understand. I would say I believe, but I understand that, that that the Holy Spirit, that God talks to you through those verses that you've memorised. They come to you at the time when you need them. Mm. You know? um, it's not necessarily to sprout them at somebody else. It's God to tell them to you in your mind. If they got, that verse pops up and you say, "Okay, that's cool," you know, don't, you know, don't worry about anything, you know. I've, I'm really super paraphrasing a Bible verse here because I can't remember. Basically, God's saying, you know, don't worry about them. I've got, I've got, you know, hairs on your head counted. I've, I've got it in hand. You know, I'll, I'll meet mm-hmm. your daily needs. So these sort of Bible verses might come up. So, um, don't stay connected with people. Meet with people. Um, obviously, you know, you put a little plug in for church, and mm-hmm. and in fact, in fact, again, another statistic that you probably, uh, you know, would well well know is that. Um, and this is just the statistics. It's not like, you know, church is putting this out here. This is like psychological research that mm-hmm. people who have spiritual beliefs and, and, and um, certainly people who are involved in a uh, a church community, they have better mental health. Like it's mm. just a statistic. It's not like it's coming from, well, it would come from the Bible, but that's that research not coming from the Bible. It's not coming from, you know, not coming from you putting it out there sneakily. As pastors, yeah. that's just uh, psychological research. People who go to church and stay connected in the community like that, they have better mental health. They're, mm. they're, they're happier, they're less depressed, they're less anxious, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, I believe. Obviously, you said exercise is helpful. People who are anxious, um, exercise is very helpful, and I I, I regularly... Um, Recommend that to my patients, and um, certainly ones who have a lot of anxiety, get out there and move.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and particularly for, I think for everybody, certainly for um, young fellows. Often they don't want to talk; that's boring, <laughs> you know. Whatever, and you know, I don't want to go to the and mental health, whatever, and sort of sit yeah. around and you know talk about my feelings. That's very threatening, isn't it? Mm. Um, but get out and move, and getting out and move um playing soccer running cycling whatever it is is good for your mental health and it's good for anxiety um one of the things that i found there's a there's a couple of other things and just, um that i wanted to that, that are in the forefront of my mind when we're talking about this um one is uh, the whole issue of forgiveness and that's a big topic forgiveness mm. in mental health and the other issue that I want to throw in there is, is um, low self esteem and self worth in children, okay. and I think that's 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 uh, that's 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 an interesting one. So I have a lot of children who have either oh, have disabilities, learning problems, uh, you know, difficulties. You know, they might go to school and they're not the ones who get A pluses; the ones who get D. You know, for their grades, and they might be doing their best they can, but you know, that's really hard going from learning problems, what what have you. might have a disability they might uh, i don't know have some sort of physical disability some sort of uh, intellectual disability um life life can be a bit of a hard going for them Mm -hmm. and um you know people will often say well look you know what can i do to help me with my child's self-esteem their self-worth you know they have a hard time They might get teased at school all sorts of things can go on and, you know, not everybody is, gets A-pluses in class. Not everybody is the, you know, the champion footballer at school. You know, like that can't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and just because you get A-pluses, you're champion footballer certainly doesn't mean you can't have uh, some problems. But certainly not everybody can be that. Yeah. And and I, I, so, so people will say, you know, should we, you know, tell my child how awesome they are, how they're really, really good at their schoolwork um, and, you know, they're awesome anyway even though they get D pluses or something like that, you know. Um, you know, the child themselves say, you know, thanks, Mum and Dad, but, you know, I know I get Ds, I don't get A pluses. So telling me that I'm a genius, that's nice, but that's ridiculous, you know, that they're thinking that. Um, or, um, you know, so they'll be thinking, oh, positive, positive affirmations, what do we do? do? We just praise them constantly. And, you know, look, a parent's love is is, is totally important. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, what I, what I think is, um, is about, um, uh, like not, not just children with adversity or disabilities, but anybody really it doesn't matter what sort of difficulties you're having in life, or you can always do something for somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I
1: also, what I, what I, what I often say to people is, oh, uh, uh, Go out um, with your son or daughter and go and do something for somebody else. Go down the road and help uh, help the elderly lady with a meal or with her garden that's overgrown that she can't, can't look after. Um, and you'll yeah. feel better about yourself because you're doing something for us. You feel good about yourself. You can have, um, you know, a real disability. You can have, um, you know... Facial deformities, you know, if you know, if, you know, if that's one of your adversities in life, you can, you know, really struggle at school with your schoolwork. You can have all sorts of problems, but you can always help somebody else, and it's yeah. that's that's worth it. And if a parent does it with their child, then not only does the child get benefit out of helping somebody else, but they see their parent do it. Their parent and their child do it, so their relationship is strengthened. Um, there's so many things that come out of helping somebody else. And you know, anyway, I just want to emphasize I feel strongly about it because mm. I, I don't think people think about it from that point of view. In today's community, we're all very busy, we haven't got time for volunteering, oh, or whatever. So busy. You know, I work long hours and whatever. You anybody can help somebody else in some sort of way, and it makes a difference.
0: Mm. Uh, that's you know, I I don't know if I'd fully Connected that in my own head, but I know when I when I sit around and and begin to focus inwardly on myself, (laughs) I feel worse than when I'm out helping someone else. I actually feel quite good when I'm out doing things for people, helping. That's right,
1: yeah, absolutely. if,
0: If I sit around and just think about me, I tend to yeah not feel that good. That's interesting, for sure. Such a great and helpful thing to serve others, and it's good for them too, for sure. Absolutely. So. I know there's, um, a lot of different views about, um, mental health. I mean, in, in Christian circles, there's, you know, it it kind of extremes in that, um, some people, you know, maybe tend to hyper-spiritualize things. They tend to go, or maybe it's not a thing at all. And I, and I suppose, um, outside of Christian circles, the same thing happens, but do you think there's, uh, still exists maybe a stigma around mental health? And, um, has it gotten better over time? Has it gotten worse? Is there something that we could do about that? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah. Look,
1: I, I, I think, um, they, they haven't replaced uh, me and my colleagues with robots yet. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I was, I was joking about it yesterday. I said, Oh, you know, well, I've got all this technology. I can, you know, um, online stuff i can you know we can i can see people on zoom appointments i can send electronic scripts and things i said oh you know i just want to get to retirement age before they replace me with a robot (laughs) we had a bit of a discussion about that but um yeah it keeps you in business because um mental health is a very you know on the one hand it's a very fluffy thing on the other hand because it's a very fluffy thing you need to you know need to i I try to be think very 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 practically about things because it can be a very fluffy thing so Mm -hmm. if you have depression if you have um you know whatever um, some of these things are very biological and some of these things uh morph into um, uh, things that are less biological less less able to put your hand on it and and there's there's there are committees in the united united states the you know diagnostic and statistical manual of um you know um psychiatric disorders and and things you know they sit around and they 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 say will we will we call this a disorder you know um um you know gaming addiction will we call that this and have a committee and you know and then we'll, yes we'll call this a disorder disorder if people are not careful they think gaming disorder that's a real thing well it sort of is a real thing but it's not a real thing you know it's it's actually yeah. been decided at a committee. Um, on the yeah. other hand, intellectual impairment or autism or schizophrenia. When you see that, that's a real like that's a real thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there's no committee. Nobody needed a committee to know that that is that's that. There's a real problem there. Mm-hmm. So, um, maybe that's not really answering your question. But it, probably it's probably more something for psychiatrists to think about. But it is, and on the other hand, it is because people can say. <coughs> Um, I went to the doctor and the doctor said I'd got depression and that's the whole labelling argument. I've got depression. So now I'm just like the depression's got me. I, I'm just, you know, a victim of the depression. I'm, I'm stuffed. You know, I've got to lay down and I mm. you know, almost die because the depression's got me, you know? Um, and yeah. um, that, that's, that's the doctor saying you've got this word called depression. Now there are, there are a whole different, there's a whole, the word depression covers a whole multitude of things mm-hmm. through to people who um, have really severe clinical illnesses. And there's a whole lot of biology in that. You can see it through to, um, I had a gentleman come to me one day and said, you know, I'm really depressed. Um, I just, you know, left my wife um, mm-hmm. because um I'm going to say something controversial here. Well, you can edit it out if you need to. But um, <laughs> I just left my wife, and, um, you know, look, she was getting older, and I was just, she just wasn't doing it for me anymore. You know, I okay. just, I'd sort of lost, not so attracted to her, lost interest, you know, hmm. and I felt like I needed to get out and live my life and, and, you know, make it what I wanted her to. So I've, I've left her, and we've got a couple little kids. But And now I'm, I'm feeling depressed. Mm. And, you know, and, you know a bit of a talk, a bit more details. And and in the end, I said, look, I'm going to bulk bill you. I'm not going to charge you for this. What, what do I think you should do is you should turn around from where you came. You should go back to your wife, beg for forgiveness. And, you know, beg for forgiveness in Get your act together because you are depressed because you've thought about all about yourself, but what about your kids and your wife and the train wreck that you're leaving behind? Now, that's that was depression, but was that depression the sort of depression that I've seen, say, a 14-year-old girl who, you know, a few years ago said, I've got a good family, I've got good friends, my school's good. Everything's good in my life. I know that is, but I just feel so depressed. I want to kill myself and there's no reason for it. And I cry every day and I can't sleep and I lost my appetite and I lost weight. And there's no reason for it. I shouldn't feel this way, but I just feel so depressed that I I feel like I I want to kill myself. And that's the clinical depression. Yeah. But the other end are all sorts of other things that are called depression or depressed. And then there's all in between in the middle and all sorts of mixed up, which keeps that so far they haven't replaced me with a robot because
0: <laughs> it's, it's a bit too complicated for a robot. I think it's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm sorry. I'm not, not sure what that answered your question.
0: Um, no, it's, yeah. it's uh, interesting. <laughs> a, you know, my wife and I, we, well, I in, in my own ministry, I've done a lot of weddings. We've got a kind yeah. of a, an attractive church building and it's attracted a lot of weddings over the years. And I always work through, you know, the premarital things with couples when they come and, Um, My wife and I talk about this all the time, but one of the things about marriage that is, is very valuable is that covenant you make when you get married and then sticking with that, even Mm. when it's difficult. And then the security of knowing that we've agreed that no matter what, even when, when I'm do dumb things, she's still going to love me. And, and and that really provides a lot of security. And of course, you know, I'm. I'm a middle-aged man. I may not like to talk about security much, but we yeah. all need that. We all need that, yeah, and I yeah. I have that in marriage with my wife. And yeah, that's not mm-hmm. something to to throw away lightly, for sure. No.
1: Do you know about um about uh, getting married? When you get married, you marry a set of problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: don't you? When you get married, <laughs> you learn. That's when you learn how to love somebody because of, because that's the commitment. So. Mm-hmm. And and it gets gets worse because then you have kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, Then You it? have kids.
1: So what happens? I, I've you know I've I've done a some couple counselling. It's probably not the major thing that I've done over the years, but some couple counselling. So sometimes people um, will be, you know, uh, have distress in their marriage and they'll be arguing and you know going on, and 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 there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of a lot of things to consider. But sometimes one of the things that they need that it's worth pointing out to them is that, hey, when you didn't have kids and like you were dating, you know, yes, you get in your beautiful dress and whatever, you you your you coolest gear, you hop in the speedboat and you and you go down the go down the broad water and life is awesome. And you know, if you want to go and then you go out to a nice restaurant and you have a meal and everything's good and everything's awesome. Okay. And then you get married. Okay. That's probably still cool. But then you have kids. And then you have t- two or three little kids, and you can't even get to the like cinema anymore. Like mm-hmm. you can't go out to a restaurant if you do, like you pay for it because then the kids are crying and screaming and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the kids get sick and they're vomiting on you and they don't get you sleep. Okay. And then you start fighting each other and arguing with each other because, like, you know, Chris is, keeps putting the, the bath towel on the floor, he never picks it up and puts it on the on the on on the on the hanger or the rack or whatever. And and you know and you know why doesn't you know she fix my breakfast for me anymore? it's like she just was like, you know, you've got to get home. You know, don't go and see your mates or whatever and play that soccer because you have to get home straight away because I can't. You know, I need help with kids and you know, but you know I need to see my mates and you know hear all these arguments and then then you say, well look, you know, our marriage is in crisis. But so, but what people. Sometimes, what people don't see is that there are phases in life, including phases in in their family, a life cycle. And, you know, a young couple with little kids, with three little kids, that's not supposed to be fun. And yes, it is. (laughs) It's not, it's it's hugely sad. It's hugely satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it's hugely satisfying. You don't want to put them back, but it's not easy. And so people then start to see each other as the enemy. And sometimes it's worth pointing out, hey, this is the phase that you're going through, you know, and this the strife and the things you guys aren't each other's enemy. It's just a hard time and you're going through it together. And what we don't want is this strife to mess up your family. You know, you're a team and, um, you know, um, yeah, it's tough at the moment.
0: Oh, team for sure. There's all
1: sorts of different ways around that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in a good place in my life now. My kids are uh, young adults and we get along great. Um, we all actually live in the same house. and I always feel like I have to defend that. like it's better than it sounds. but actually, it's really good. We all get along well. My yep. daughter's married. and um yeah, and and I'm in a great place like that right now. Um, but I was camp I went on a camping trip and I saw people camping with like little toddlers. and I was like, I do not know how you people do that. i I can't remember having that much energy. I'm just like, good grief because it's so much work. And I look at these parents and I'm like, you guys are are amazing <laughs> there's no way yeah, exactly I do yeah, that. yeah 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 it's yeah. pretty crazy
1: and that's where you know people with young young kids and families they need support they need
0: mm, for you know, sure. other people
1: to yeah. to be mindful of things things aren't always easy
0: yeah kids don't always do um what we hope they might and absolutely yeah they don't fit
1: into the program sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i
0: think they do their own program that's right. uh, well, yeah, speaking of, you know, those arguments in, in conflict and conflict, I think this is probably actually a really big question, but what are some ways that we might be able to deal with conflict in a healthy way? kind of ties in with what we were just talking about there.
1: Yeah, well, it does. Look, if you look at um... – Yeah, I I, I, I suppose um, because we're just talking about it's, it, you know, in my mind I'm thinking about, you know, couples and how they, you know, how they get along. It One, one uh, it, as we're just touching upon, is to, to try and remember the big picture, you know, you're not each other's enemies. It, there might be things that are impacting on your family that are hard at the time or just, you know, you've you've had kids now you've got to deal with it, you know, like um, there is extra stress. It's not that not easy, you know, but no. you're not each other's enemy, um, you know, and the kids are great and they'll grow up and then you'll, they'll stay with you forever in your household. And no, Well, maybe they won't, but anyway, mm-hmm. they, they do come, come back, don't they a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, but, but, um, you know, you can go through your yeah, developmental phases with difficult. So just seeing the big picture. Um just uh yeah, getting getting back to that that thing of when, when you marry somebody, you marry a set of problems because you don't marry yourself, which is a good thing because it'd be boring. Um yeah. but you know, you come from different family backgrounds and you know, we always had, you know, uh family, you know, roast for, for dinner on Sunday, and you know, that's just what you do. But you know, we didn't do a roast, we always went to the beach and you know, and then there's this argument forevermore about it just doesn't feel right to have a roast on Sunday, we're supposed to be at the beach, no, we're supposed to have a roast. Um, you know, when you never have a roast, you never want to have a roast. You know, you want to go to the beach, but you know, you know, that's unfair. We should have a roast, blah, 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 so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And it's just people come from different backgrounds. You know, what they grow up is what they feel is right. And um, so um, they're just recognizing, again, in marriages, there are some things that you can work on and that you can sort of come to some sort of compromises in life and you have to, or some things you need to sort out. Absolutely. But there are other things that you're going to be arguing about in the nursing home. <laughs> like they're never gonna be resolved that's just not going to yeah. happen <laughs> um and especially for those things that you're going to be arguing about in the nursing home that gets on to probably our next bit which is the big bit which is forgiveness
0: mm. Yep, yeah forgiveness so yeah. if you're
1: talking about conflict forgiveness is forgiveness is a massive thing um if um because forgiveness has a lot of uh, spiritual connotations i think there, there is some literature um secular, secular research and literature and ideas and
0: oh i think i i lost you david i can see your picture quite well
1: Right.
0: There okay. we go. You can hear me now. Yeah, there we go. Sounds great. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, don't have
1: you. Can you hear me now?
0: Yep, I've got you now.
1: Right? Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. That's that's one of the things. Whenever I do this, this happens every time. Not a big deal. <laughs> it's yeah, just online,
1: yeah, you know? yeah. Look, yeah, I, I've, I've yanked on a cord to my blue yeti, which wasn't good. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. So, forgiveness. So, mm-hmm. I think it's important. In in the, there's some secular research around it, but it's not. It's often not thought of of emphasised. If you go to the psychologist, counsellor. Um, there's all sorts of things that people go about, including um, um, experiencing feeling depressed that are sometimes about bitterness. Mm. So that is not, you know, that is not uncommon, that a person will um, um, label their feelings, experience um, their distress as Uh, Being depressed, they go to the doctor, you know, you're depressed. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes, maybe not uncommonly, but I wouldn't say it's always, but sometimes behind some of that distress, at least, is bitterness related to being having difficulties with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I think, unfortunately, there's not enough of an emphasis in that in counselling and in professional counselling and of understanding that dynamic. Now, some do, but uh, many, many, it's not on their radar. Mm. Okay. Um, you, you, uh, um, Chris would be familiar with the story of uh, Corey Ten Boom, and 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 when we talk about forgiveness and the topic of forgiveness, often we talk about the story of Corey Ten Boom that some people may be familiar with, but Corrie Ten Boom uh, is a lady. She was in um, uh, Nazi concentration camp as, uh, as mm-hmm. a young person with her younger sister. And um, as I recall, uh, you could correct me if that's not right, I think a young sister even dies in the camp. Mm. Um, and um, were, and so in, in World War II, she's in that camp. There's a particular sergeant, I think, in the camp, who they interact with who is seems to be particularly cruel and she remembers from uh, her Nazi concentration days. So after the World War II Corrie 10 boom um, goes around um, Europe and in i think in I think in Holland um, and helps uh, people who are survivors of uh, of uh, traumatic experiences and concentration camps experiences uh, with Nazi occupation helps them to try and recover. And uh, Corrie Ten Boom's uh, big um, emphasis was on the role of forgiveness. So, uh, what she would um, what she observed was that people who had been through traumatic experiences, um, been uh, very badly treated um, you know, by um, occupation forces, um, those who could not forgive, in some sort of way, if who couldn't find some way to forgive, they were stuck in life. They were bitter. They were always looking backwards at what had happened to them and how terrible it was. And obviously these things were, in some some circumstances, of course, not concentration camps, um, you know, terrible beyond terrible. Um, But she found that those who could not forgive could not move on with their lives. They were stuck in bitterness and, you know, one might say depression, if you like, but they were always Mm. looking backwards. And those who could find some sort of resolution through forgiveness in some sort of way were able to not forget what happened, not forget the shocking and terrible things to happen, but they were able to have some sort of peace and move on with their lives or plan for their lives. And um, so she went around, um, you know, uh, preaching forgiveness and talking in churches and talking to people about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, she went to a church, I think it was in um, back in Germany. And, and she delivered this message in the, in, a, in a church service and lo and behold at the end of the church services the nazi uh sergeant i think it was the, uh, the 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 soldier from the her concentration camp came up to her and and um she you know hadn't seen this guy since the concentration camp and um and he wanted to shake her hand and said you know you know this is wonderful that, about forgiveness and and you know, I want to shake your hand. And um, at that moment, she um she froze, she couldn't do it. You know, she's going around Europe saying, You've got to forgive. But this was the guy that was in this camp that mistreated her younger sister and her and a younger sister part, you know. Um, and, and she felt like I I've got to do this, I've got to forgive, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, right. So frozen at that moment now. Sometimes things are so bad that it is very difficult for people who don't come from a spiritual background of um, of uh, understanding forgiveness to the dynamics. You know, it's really hard for them. They can be stuck in it, and certainly even for people, Christians, of course, because these things, some things are just so traumatic, so difficult that think, well, I can forgive a lot of things, but I can't forgive that. Um, what she points out, and this is where we're getting into a bit of a Christian thing here, is that she mm-hmm. had to ask God to help her to forgive um, she 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 realised that she could only forgive, or at least shake this guy's hand, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling her to do something that, you know, was you know for her was beyond human ability to forgive, and yet she had to do that, um, for the example that she was giving for other people, and because she knew it was it was it was it was going to release her. Mm-hmm. Um, now it didn't mean that um, this guy was a trustworthy guy didn't mean this guy what this guy did was all forgotten and it was all good because it wasn't all good yeah but it was more about her i'm saying making a decision i'm not going to um, mentally or uh, in actual practice get revenge Mm. get revenge so Mm -hmm. You know, for what it's worth, my, my understanding of a way to look at forgiveness is that if somebody punches you in the head um, and you say, I forgive you, here's my head again, you might get punched in the head, mightn't you? So that's yeah. probably a bit silly. Um, if somebody punches you in the head, you can still forgive them even if they, they're, they're happy and proud about it because that's about you, it's not about them. You know, if they say sorry and they really are genuinely sorry, you can make a relationship that's reconciling, isn't it? But mm-hmm. to forgive, it's about you and it's good for you. And, and you know, God says you must forgive. And, and, mm-hmm. and God actually wants that for people because it's good for them. It's about loving. And that certainly impacts upon relationships and certainly your most close relationships, like your partner, your couple, the people, that are your friends, you know, relatives, um, etc. But with uh, forgiveness, it's about you, not about whatever the person, whether they're worthy to be forgiven or not. And and it's good for you as a person. And sometimes people have got that bitterness hanging around and carrying them around from always, and they're depressed and they can't move on. And you go to the doctor, you go to the counselor, oh, you're depressed. But yeah, no, you haven't you haven't found a way, and it might be extremely difficult to get your head around the idea of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about the other person being worthy of forgiveness. That's a that's that's not a, it's not about that, it's about yourself. So if you, somebody punches you in your head and you say, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you say, okay, well, I forgive you, so I trust you. Well, you might get your head punched in again, mightn't you? Because, you know, that person hasn't shown that they're trustworthy. Yeah.
0: So I don't really think your forgiveness point.
1: is about yeah. being trusting somebody. Is it about, okay, like you punched me in head, but I forgive you, so, hey, let's hang out, have a coffee, you mm-hmm. know, like let's have a good time together. You might get your head punched in and they might be nasty yeah. to you again. I mean, you don't have to like somebody to forgive them, but you have to love them. And what that means is you have to make a a decision. It's not a feeling. You have to make a decision not to seek revenge, and that can be even a decision in your head. You like you can go over and over in your head. I hope they fall in the ditch. I hope they lose all their money. I hope you know they get um, you know uh, caught in a country where they get tortured and their nails, fingernails, get pulled off or something. You know, even in your head you can rehearse it and over and over again. Um, so it's a decision not to get revenge, and that's what releases you.
0: Okay, that's I, I haven't heard it associated with revenge like that before. That's great. I like that a lot because I mean, you know forgiveness, like you say, it, it doesn't mean you trust someone, doesn't mean what they did was right. but that the idea of, of giving up the need for revenge, I think that could be really helpful. That's a great. So point. when
1: you're with, and that's really important with your partner or your, your wife or your, your husband, you, the relationship can't work if you hold on to things. Mm. L- love means you're going to have to go, let a lot of things pass to the keeper. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, And sometimes what you think is like your righteous case may not actually be your righteous case. You just think you're in the right. You know, we should, yeah. should go to the beach rather than have a roast on Sunday. It's self-evident. And the fact <laughs> that my wife's not thinking of that, you know, she's just wrong and she's persecuting me, um, you know, whatever, but you know, yeah, a relationship can't work if you're going to you got to keep forgiving and 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 the other thing about it, of course is sometimes you're going to have to keep forgiving even when you're in the nursing home, aren't you? Arguing about mm. things. You Ongoing. Know, you know, otherwise it just can't work. Relationship can't work.
0: Mm. yeah, I've, I've visited with some old folks and <laughs> it doesn't matter how old <laughs> they get, they still argue. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's interesting. Sometimes I think they do it for sport.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well david i know i know you've got some place you got to be how are we doing for time i don't want to uh yeah well well if we got it you know
1: probably another five minutes um depending on you know i don't know how we're going chris um mm-hmm. you know anyway yeah we, no i what it, I,
0: got. I think that that forgiveness i know, I know there's a hundred other things we could probably talk all day um there were some other yeah. things we we're going to talk about but we've only got so much time um yeah, and I think that forgiveness is is probably a pretty good place to kind of pull up with that part of things, and maybe yeah. we can talk, um, kind of finish up with a little bit about the Gideons, maybe, and how, yep, um, people could be involved with that or support it if they'd like to. Yep, yep, yep,
1: yep. Yeah. So, look, um, I just wanted to make the point, Chris, that you know we've been talking about mental health and about well-being, and um, and we've also talked about. Um, my um my, my past time of uh, volunteering with the gideons so mm. um i just need to differentiate this i'm not speaking on behalf of the gideons when i'm talking about mental health there's you know the mm. gideons don't have particular policies on that and i think that is important to point out and as a psychiatrist i'm not talk, talking on behalf of any pr- particular professional organization you know what i say is um for better or worse you know i'm talking on behalf of myself um but you know you're asking me about the gideons and how um perhaps uh People could support that if they uh, feel that they wish to. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a a national, in Australia, there's a a national website. You can just type in the Gideons in Australia. Um, If you, you know, you can find out more about the the Gideons ministry. Um, If you'd like to um, um, financially support it, there are ways on the website. That's probably one way. is on Winning People for Christ. We distribute uh, scriptures and Bibles in specific areas where perhaps other uh, ministries or churches can't always access, like hotels and Bibles, um, you know, uh, testaments Bibles to uh, servicemen, to uh, fire fire firemen and police and uh, emergency services, into prisons, into domestic violence uh, shelters, um, to schools, to Year Seven uh, student students all around, you know, uh, school students all around the world. We have. Um, Go into um, you know developing countries and provide Bibles uh, for um, uh, people in these situations. Work with local um, members of the Gideon's in their own countries. Um, there's a whole lot of aspects to the ministry, but if people uh, we need prayer and we uh, ext- extremely appreciate prayer, we can't do anything without prayer. the um, The other thing is that um, uh, some people may you know again I think going to the websites probably the thing. Uh, may may wish to be involved as um, in in what we have a Friends of Gideon's program, or some people uh, may wish to um, look at uh, in other ways how they might um, partner with the ministry or or, contrib- uh, or um, you know contribute to the ministry's activities.
0: Well, I'm I'm so grateful for you taking the time. I know, um, like we said earlier, everybody's so busy these days, but uh, yeah. I, I th- I think people will find it helpful, and yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm very grateful. Thanks for doing this, and yeah, if it's cool with you, we'll just pull up there. Thank you for coming along on our journey today. I'm thankful for you and the valuable time you've spent with us. I'm hoping and praying for good things and many blessings for you and all that you do. I look forward to getting together with you again soon. Until then, this is Chris Miller, the host of PC Speaking, signing off, and I bid you... Farewell.